1: the southern ground hunting podcast i'm your host parker mcdonald Alright, alright. Welcome back to Southern Ground Hunting. I'm excited about this episode today because we are talking to uh, a guy that I have recently come to, uh, to know pretty well. His name is Brody Swisher and he works for bowhunting.com. More than likely, if you have the internet and you're a bowhunter, you have run across an article that Brody has written for bowhunting.com. Um, super great writer. Um, he actually wrote one that was pretty recent. Uh, it was titled something like, Do Women Really Like Saddle Hunters More? And uh, it was pretty freaking hilarious. And uh, so check out that bowhunting.com. You can find a lot of Brody's articles there. But we're going to talk about something um, that I've that I've wanted to hit on this year specifically, and that is early season food sources. And Brody has gotten a hunt. Um, he lives in Tennessee, so he got to do the early season velvet hunt. He got to do, uh, he hunts in kentucky as well he killed a buck on opening day in kentucky great looking buck and um you can uh, you can actually find that hunt on uh his youtube on brody swisher youtube channel and uh so he's really gotten a hunt as long as anybody really in the united states at this point in the season he's gotten a hunt a lot of these early earlier openers throughout the month of september and um and one thing that I know in my experience of hunting early season hunts, whether it be Tennessee or Kentucky, is that the food sources can change on a dime. Like they can just switch immediately, and we're going to talk about that with Brody. He's been able to um, see that for the majority of his of his hunting career. See how he has uh, how how the deer change throughout this specifically the month of September and into early october so we're going to talk about that with him before we get into this episode i wanted to remind you guys that you can use the code southern ground at checkout at screegear.com if you are uh, if you're in the market for some new hunting apparel man you need to check out screegear i have been um putting that stuff through the ringer especially during this early season in kentucky and um in tennessee it's awesome i i have been i had been falling in love actually uh should have brought my early season jacket to Tennessee last weekend uh, because we got a pretty nice little cold front that came through. Uh, but the thing I like about the Merino wool system is that it's warm; it, it keeps you warm um, on cooler days, but it also keeps you cooled off on hot days. And it dries really fast. It doesn't stink. Um, I love that that aspect of it. So check out Scree Gear if you're interested in some really good hunting apparel at an affordable price. I think you will appreciate that. Also check out tetherednation.com. Tethered has released the lightest sticks on the market. The Tethered One Sticks, you need... So let's get into this episode with Brody Swisher. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm really excited this week because we are talking to one of my new friends, uh, Brody Swisher from uh, from bowhunting.com and got in touch with Brody. Um, man, dude, I don't even remember how where we actually, oh, it was Instagram. We were talking about kayak hunting. Um uh, yeah. And then I got a random Everett parks from new canoe said, Hey, thanks for the lead on Brody. I was like, who are you talking about? And then I go back and look at it and we had talked like three months before that. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, this guy. And so we ended up, uh, having a good like three hour phone call last week and just talking about just life and ministry and deer hunting and things like that. And, uh, and so, man, it was kind of funny, Brody, uh, right after me and you got off the phone probably a day or two later uh drew called me he was like man i think brody swisher would be a really <laughs> good guest on the podcast i did <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool nice. so uh, so brody man it, thank you so much for coming on you just got out of the woods there in tennessee why don't you tell us a little bit about um what you do who you are and um your season which you've been hunting i mean really about as long as anybody in the united states right now um for this season you got to start pretty early and been consistently out in the woods so tell us a little bit about that
2: absolutely yeah man i appreciate the opportunity to jump in here with you guys and uh yeah i mean like you said i mean we used to be jealous that you know like kentucky got to start the first week of september (laughs) and for a long time you know i'm jealous my buddies and i just so we got to start hunting in kentucky and get up there for the early (laughs) season hunts and then uh you know this i guess three years now that that tennessee said we're going to do our own velvet hunt and make sure we get it in velvet season. So we're going to have it the end of August. And so, um, and we've enjoyed that the last few years. So yeah, it does. I mean, there's really, I don't know of anywhere, um, you know, not many States let you start that early and get a weekend in. So we, we've enjoyed that. And this year didn't do any good. Um, the hurricane kind of uh, hurricane or tornadoes, I think a little combination of both, you know, <laughs> here in Tennessee that weekend, but, um, but it, man, it's just good to be back. It's just good to be back in the stand and, Doing the deal, playing the game. And uh so did that end of August. Um then like I said, next weekend we were up in Kentucky and got to kick off the season up there, did a media hunt with the real tree crew up there and and just had a great time. It was kind of a hot uh, weekend there, but we uh we had a good time. And I had a goofball buck come by me uh that evening and on the first evening. And uh the one of my buddies up there, Will Brantley, that runs the little outfit, he had said, Man, there's a there's a goofy buck in here and it's got nice you know side four point side on one side and just goofy on the other side and he said i'd shoot it if i came across it. and that's my kind of mentality i i love <laughs> balls bucks you know the funky stuff Um, uh, it don't take much for me if you know i just need to nod and so uh sure enough man that was one of the deer that came by and uh made a good shot on that and so that was cool that was the kickoff first afternoon in kentucky for the opener and then uh, next night i shoot a doe and so yeah it was. I mean, it, great way to get get the monkey off the back right off the bat you know i mean i'm usually the should have been here yesterday guy you know or uh, (laughs) everything's gone cold you know whatever Uh, just struggling to to punch a tag but uh it was cool to be blessed you know that right off the start that time and then like i said fast forward a couple weeks here we are opening weekend we're just wrapping up opening weekend here in tennessee and it's kind of been a pretty slow start i had a gosh I had five had five bucks last night out in the field, cornfield standing corn but So slow. Golly. Yeah, I mean <laughs> hey, well it was it was slow in that, you know, just getting going. Uh my little boy he he said over in the honey hole. I put him in the spot I thought it was gonna be money and uh he didn't see he didn't see Jack. And then, of course I tell him I got five bucks out here in front of me and I'm texting him and <laughs> Dad
0: garhold me. He yeah he's
2: like, me. <laughs> he, he's like I don't want to hear it, you know. He's like shut up, quit texting me, you know and um <laughs> And I did, I put in what I thought was going to be the spot, but, uh, uh, but then this evening, man had coyotes and running around me and run up underneath me and just, uh, just put a damper on things for the deer tonight. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was gonna be good. Like I said, last night, five, you know, year and a half old bucks, they're all young bucks, but, uh, it was cool hunting standing corn. So it, it was good, good kickoff, man. It's good to finally have the season here and knowing that you can hunt every day
1: if you want to do it.
2: I love it. I love this time of year
1: yeah and me and drew get to kick it off uh this week uh in alabama we start thursday Thursday, yeah so i'm with you man it is so hard i've got a tag in kentucky i've got a tag in tennessee two tags in tennessee and then as really as you want to kill in tennessee i think oh
2: yeah yeah that's uh well the county i'm in and there's they've added every year more counties to it um section it i think the county that region or section L or whatever they call it and yeah we can shoot three like three does a day you know whatever it is now and um and so yeah it's, it's pretty much a wide open opportunity for taking care of the ladies you know it, so it's, it's
1: tough for me not to like just drop everything and drive that hour and a half that it takes me there's some public land pretty close to the state line all across the state line you can find somewhere to hunt and I'm like man but yeah. I'm with like I, I can't wait until once thursday kicks in man it's deer season i said uh on instagram the other day i was like october 1st through february 10th we got three buck tags and we ain't letting up till those are filled like that's yeah. i can't wait just something about knowing like even if you don't get to hunt that day knowing like hey i could go if i wanted to i
2: could that's <laughs> I could, right
1: i could go so um so I'm, I'm super excited about that so tell us tell us a little bit about uh your background what you do um and uh the kind of what you do as a part of bowhunting.com. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, I've been working with bowhunting.com for, gosh, man, I begin to say it. I keep saying three or four years, but it's been more like five, you know, going on five or six years, maybe more now. Uh, I came on just as a contributor, writing for them, uh, even when I was living back out in Montana, moved back to Tennessee, and um, just the opportunity, the The previous editor was handling the editorial content and everything, uh, took off to do some other things, and door and opportunity opened up and so uh the guys contacted me said hey you've been writing for us for a while uh would you consider handling and you know managing content creation and, and scheduling and just take this editor role and run with it and so uh i've had the opportunity to do that for like i said um uh, gosh probably 2013 2014 uh and so it's going on that time and uh it's been cool it you know i've been doing outdoor media freelancer you know for uh, a number of years been writing, um, gosh, I think since, you know, first article I ever wrote was probably back in 2000, you know, a buddy of mine's put me on a newspaper column and said, Hey, you want to write the piece this week? And I did a article on coyote hunting and never had written before and had this big full page, uh, coyote article in the little paper down here in West Tennessee. And, um uh, and just opened my eyes and kind of got the ball rolling. Somebody saw that and had the opportunity for a regional magazine and just different pieces. And, and so, uh, I, have just always loved telling the story, you know, whether it's hunting, uh, my background testimony, whatever, I just love telling the story and, uh, retelling the story, particularly for hunting. And so it worked out good for that opportunity, but, uh, yeah, so bowhunting.com just, uh, last six, seven years, just working with those guys. And again, you know, it's one of the number one, you know, online resources out there, as far as that goes for bowhunting. Uh, it's got it all, you know, it's got the content, the, uh, articles, how tos, product reviews, and, uh, and then the bow hunter die web show i don't work with that in that particularly uh, that side of it um, but it's just a really cool opportunity to come to that website bowhunting.com and again whether you're looking for products to, to check out whether you're looking for uh, entertainment through the web show there's just something for everybody that loves bow hunting and so it's been a been a cool opportunity to write those pieces that i do and then as well as different guys you know we just had one of your pieces uh, i think just went up last uh, wednesday maybe and five tips for hunting from a kayak and so it's i'm always you know digging getting connected with guys like you that are you know sometimes the guys will come and say hey man we got an awful lot of this or a lot of that and i'm like well, that's because that's what i'm eating up i love that stuff you know and so uh i love connecting with guys like you that are doing the same stuff that are that are hunting like i do that um uh, you know the same style and same same passion and so uh it's been fun it's been a great way to connect with with other guys when you see and, and like you said we just kind of connected through. Instagram or whatever. And you find somebody that's like, Hey, I like this guy's style or I like her the way she's doing this as far as the way she hunts with this, you know, just seeing, you know, guys and girls doing some different stuff and, and, and bringing them on and letting them tell their story. So it's been a pretty cool deal.
1: Yeah. And you, you kind of take on a, a pretty interesting role with bowhunting.com and most people probably, uh, especially if they're familiar with the web show, um, with Justin and Todd, um, two guys that have been very vocally not like against public land hunting, but just pretty vocally like that's not not really what they do, you know what I mean? And so uh, I got to talk with those guys. What was it? A couple a month or so ago, yeah. and uh, I was on their web show, and they're just now getting into the idea of using a saddle and uh and, and things like that. And I love I love Justin. Just you you said entertainment. Like you were going to get entertainment if you follow Justin on any platform. Um, because like he, he, he likes to make fun of guys like you and I, uh, on a regular basis. And, uh, and I think it's, I think it's hilarious the way he does it. Um, but he's doing it and it's, it's all good hearted, you know, it's not not serious, but, um, but you to kind of take an interesting role whenever you first hit me up, like, Hey, I do this thing with bowhunting.com. Um, this is kind of how I hunt. We, we got into talking about that and it really kind of surprised me. So, um, the other thing that is interesting about what you do is like what you just talked about. You went on this media hunt, um, with, with Realtree at an outfitter, um, which is also super cool, but it, there's not a lot of guys out there that are going to be a part of both of those worlds, you know? What I'm saying? like when you're at home, you're hunting mostly public land. Like me and you have talked about some, some pieces around Tennessee that we, you know, that we both are, are interested in or whatever. Um, using the kayak I know that's really where me and you first started talking which is obviously for the most part a public land tactic Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to know like whenever you think about your hunting heritage or how you got started in it was was it a public land type deal or did you kind of start out on leases and then get get kind of pulled into the public land thing afterwards yeah yeah, you know,
2: a little of both for me. The first hunt I ever had in much of my early days of hunting started off with just scratching out a small piece of ground, overlooked, um, you know, if I got 10 or 15 acres that somebody from church had, dude, I was in, you know, I thought I'd hit it big, you know, with private property permission, you know, little <laughs> did I know at the time I was hunting in the backyard, you know, but I mean, it didn't matter. I had a place to hang a stand or sit against a tree and, and I was good, but um, but a lot of it for me. See, I grew up in Memphis, man, down in Memphis, Tennessee, and the big city. I was this this city, you know, country boy trapped in the city as far as I was concerned, and and so I was begging my dad, you know, to take me, and hey, we need to drive out to, to you know, Shelby Forest, which was uh, over on the side of the Mississippi River, and um, and just right outside on the, uh, you had to drive through some rough parts of town to get to it, but, you know, we got out there, and then you hit Shelby Forest Wildlife Management Area right on the banks of the Mississippi, and um and again we didn't know what we were doing we didn't have a tree stand we didn't have anything we just walked off in the woods and uh started doing stuff we'd seen uh, or heard talk about in hunter education class or whatever and and you know set against a tree and just hoping and praying something walked by rarely did it ever uh, but we were hunting and that's as good as i needed to get you know as far as that goes hunting with my dad and so yeah a lot of that early on it was because my dad was not a, a big hunter he did some small game hunting growing up but he wasn't a deer hunter and and so he didn't know uh, we were just kind of going and uh, you know where we could go and uh we didn't have leases you know didn't didn't know much about leases and, and you know the idea of leasing a piece of property for deer hunting or anything like that um and much you know needless to say i mean we i didn't have the money either you know when i first got into it i was getting eaten up with the opportunity and seeing it you know and uh, I'd watch Saturday morning stuff. I mean, it wasn't a lot of you know back then, there wasn't a lot of stuff on TV. I mean, you had these couple deer hunting shows that they put on Saturday morning, and then Buckmasters came along and I mean back then they wouldn't let you show a, a shot or anything on TV, you know, so I mean it was uh, some pretty random stuff, but I would eat that stuff up and then, you know beg my dad, hey, I, I need to go. We got to go figure somewhere out to do this. And uh, I finally got permission to hunt a little piece of ground. I think it's 40 acres it was about 20 minutes out of memphis and and uh we sat out there a couple times and um uh, i still i remember a guy let me borrow his recurve as a bear recurve bow and i don't know how old i was i wasn't old enough to drive so i was probably 12 13 years old maybe 14 and he let me borrow this recurve bow and it was kind of teaching me how to shoot it guy from church and uh I remember he said, "Man, get you some arrows and some broadheads." I went to Walmart and bought like a three pack <laughs> of the cheapest thing I could find. I found a three pack of broadheads, uh, maybe like Allen brand or something. They were nine ninety nine. I just remember they were nine ninety nine. I thought, "Dad, these are awesome. They're only ten bucks for three of them." And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't have a quiver. I screwed those broadheads onto the arrows. I remember carrying those arrows in one hand, broadheads just grinding, you know, just a handful of arrows in one hand, recurve in the other hand. And I think I had a stool, like a little tri stool, over my back. And my dad, he just let me walk up ahead. And he's like, oh, you go ahead, you know, because he was my driver. You know, he didn't know what he's doing. He just drove me out there, and he followed me in the woods and tried to act like I knew what I was doing. And I remember going and sitting across this creek over there, just sitting against a tree. And my dad kind of hung back, you know, 100 yards where he could kind of keep an eye on me or whatever, but let me feel like I was hunting. And uh, I pulled out this grunt call because I bought a grunt call. You know, I thought, I got a grunt call. And I, I grunted on this call, and I, I'll never forget, grunting on that call and i might have rattled or something but either way i grunted on this call and and my dad bless his heart he he thought i was calling him so i'd grunt on this call and he said yo you know he's like what you know and he started hollering back like what do you need and i and he's like what's up (laughs) and uh i remember being so mad you know i just you know this little redheaded fireball coming out you know i was just like I'm trying to call deer, Dad. Just <laughs> hush, you know. Let me call. You know, it was cluster, man. It was it was the worst thing ever. But um, look back on it, you know, just good times, good stuff. But oh, yeah. Um. Anyway, that's oh, that's
0: great story.
2: <laughs> oh, it, it it was classic cluster. But man, no. To answer your question, honestly, I mean, a little of both. You know, um, just little pieces of ground we might round up from people from church. You know, private land, but. Uh, for the most part, it was, you know, going over there, some of those uh, for deer and, and turkey, both. I remember driving about an hour and a half to a little another little place in, uh, along Mississippi River in West Tennessee and uh, used to try to find a turkey, you know, and I didn't know what I was doing, didn't have a clue about it. I just knew when you heard a turkey gobble, you needed to do, they you say, start off with a tree call, just a real soft tree up and. And I remember that time too going out there. And I remember hearing a turkey and sucker was a mile away, had to been a mile away. He was forever away, I just a distance. And I thought, oh man, we got to start this tree. They say do this tree up. So I started this soft tree up. That bird was a mile away, probably.
1: No <laughs> chance in the
2: world of him here. And I'm over there. The softest tree up, thinking, okay, we got to do this tree up because he's going to fly. And uh, yeah, so some- all the way over here. Yeah. He's going to fly the mile, cover the distance, come to these sweet, soft, this, this soft, subtle tree yelp that he'd never had a chance of hearing. But, um, so yeah, man, just stomping it out, trying to find a place, any place, public, private, uh, whatever. But then, you know, nowadays I I live, you know, up towards Paris Kentucky Lake area. and, And there's a lot of, there's a lot of good ground around here that, you know, take advantage of for public hunting and, uh, some good stuff you know yeah. that we, we get to play on around here nowadays and so i, I love it
1: heck yeah man that's cool i know i could think of some times just similar times me and my dad going out there not knowing what the heck we were doing we just we're just hunting you know uh i can remember i remember one time specifically that sounds uh, you your story made me think about this and i don't think i've ever talked about it on the podcast before but uh we went on this little piece and man anytime we thought, saw a deer we thought, man, this is like what this is like TV stuff right here. Right. Um, like if we if we saw a deer like on Tuesday because we didn't have a lease at that point, um, we just kind of went wherever we could. And a guy in the church had one acre, one acre that we could hunt. And uh, it just so happened this acre was in like primo West Texas, like mm-hmm. awesome stuff. And uh, I remember one time not really knowing what I was doing the whole time we're sitting there hunting and we were bow hunting and I had my wrist release and I was just like. Click. <laughs> Stop it. Driving him crazy. Click. Click in the deer some deer came out and I'm still sitting there doing it. Click. And we just didn't know any we didn't know any better. And uh um that's how you get that's how you get where you are, you know what I mean? And uh you learn those lessons and uh that's cool. So I guess kind of getting into the meat of the podcast, you know, me and Drew, uh Drew got to spend a little bit of time in the tree. Um uh, I've got to spend a decent amount i mean i spent about a week in in kentucky and then a a day in in tennessee um, last week and um i haven't i haven't been able to kill a deer yet or anything but i have seen a lot of deer and i've the thing that i've noticed about early season hunting and in the past several years i've done a lot more hunting tennessee kentucky more early season stuff georgia and the thing i notice is um right there at the end of august through the month of September and into probably even mid-October there's a lot of transitions that happen for whitetail deer as far as food sources Um, just a lot of things happen in that in this time period and now October leaves start to fall Um, the 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 woods start to open up a little bit more which changes a lot of their um, bedding areas that they've been using all summer long Um, and so I'd like to kind of pick apart some certain things that maybe you have been seeing and um so starting off in august just let's just assume people are going to listen to this podcast even though that time period's already passed that they're going to find this you know while they're looking for a way to hunt maybe maybe the late august uh velvet hunt next year or something what, what do you see in august during that time period and especially being in Tennessee and the part of Tennessee that you're in, you're able to drive a lot, you know, in in glass fields and things like that just throughout the whole off season. So in the month of August, what are you really trying to focus on right there?
2: Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's those bean fields. I mean, bean, beans and corn, like a lot of places in the South, I mean, that's our bread and butter for ag fields here. Um, But it's those bean fields, man. I just, when they're green and and it's just it's just a lean green machine man they the deer are just there and uh so much to the point you know fact that was a lot of the controversy when this whole velvet camp you know hunt came up is that people are like hey it's gonna be a slaughter they're gonna slaughter all the big bucks you know i'm like man you can still only kill one buck you know i mean you, you've got a buck <laughs> limits it's not like they're gonna murder everything but there was a lot of people that said hey deer are too easy they're in the green you know they're in the bean fields they're in the greens and um and it's gonna to be too easy to kill them which we know that's not the case i mean you, you've hunted them i've hunted them um it, it's not that easy but the whole point is you know you can target them you can see them they're they're visible and they're patternable i mean that's the thing they're on a pattern and that's what we um you know classic case for us i mean i was out every afternoon that week before the velvet hunt in august and uh it was I had a, a batch of group of it was five bucks you know one night the next night of seven you know but just back and forth you'd see the uh the, the bachelor groups coming out and there were some good bucks in there. just a mixture of everything from you know the year and a half to uh the oldest year was probably a three and a half year old buck that was in there nothing just huge you know but uh but they were in there and they were hitting those beans just every evening and uh feeding them all night and uh you know you oftentimes hear guys talking about you know deer are living in corn you know they, and they're standing corn they don't have to go anywhere they just live in that corn but we don't hear as many people talking about you know as much about deer just living in the beans you think well, beans are only you know waist high you know higher in some really uh, good crops but um but man deer living those beans just as much i think people think because we can't see into cornfield that we think they're uh, you know the deer are going to be more attracted to a standing corn but um my buddy shot a deer last night opening evening and his beans are still green and um and he just talked about it he had a a, a nice buck stand up shook off and uh stood around a minute and then laid right back down and that's what we see a lot of times in that august hunt too deer just living in those beans ain't got to go anywhere um a lot of times you know again there's enough moisture just around on the beans whatever they're they're able to live right there and uh hang out and so that's what we were finding them you know it's all about the beans for that august velvet hunt for us and um uh, just pretty much all the farms we hunted you know it's, it's it's that's what we're looking for bean fields and so uh and i've got the one farm is, is beans on one side corn on the other and, and you can pretty much count on uh, at least on that august hunt you're gonna find them uh, nine times out of ten they're gonna be on that bean side
1: so let, let's talk about this and kind of uh, change it up a little bit. Let's say a guy um, doesn't have access to uh, to beans or um, any type of crops. Um, there's a lot of places, you know, throughout East Tennessee, um, even where you're just not going to find nearly as much mm-hmm. agriculture and stuff like that. So, um, in your in your experience and your time in a lot of these uh, in the states that allow earlier season hunting Kentucky Tennessee what is uh is is there another thing that you would say hey if you don't have this maybe focus on this something that may be in the timber or um just in areas without without agriculture
2: sure you know I I think honeysuckle is a is an overlooked food source that that a lot of people you know just underestimate maybe overlooked Mm -hmm. underestimated don't know what they're looking at oh yeah and you know in honeysuckle man that, that's something i don't know I, I i need to talk to more biologists on it you know as far as that goes but um that's something that they've got more of a year-round basis you know as far as that goes um it, it's green uh, the leaves are there and and deer again i don't know percentages i need to see more on that but um but i know that's a heavy heavy part of their diet just browsing on honeysuckle and it's something that's everywhere some people um don't know what they're looking for on it or whatever but i mean hit the browse that I would say is, is high, high on the, uh, list as far as, as far as that goes for, uh, you know, for the deer. Um, and then, I mean, there's, there's acorns too, that are dropping earlier than a lot of people think, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I can't wait till the white oaks drop, you know, in October, man, a lot of times it, it's a lot earlier than that. And, uh, we'll find those early oaks dropping and, uh, and, you know, obviously, I mean, when, when the oaks are dropping, I think everything, you know, the white oaks anyway, when they start dropping, it doesn't matter what you got. They're going to those white oaks, you know, it's been my experience. But uh, but honeysuckle, I think, is a great one early on. Uh, but for me, if I can't find a food source, you know, I, I'm going to key in and find those beds because I know I can find those beds and find that thick, nasty stuff. Then regardless what he's going to eat, and I'm going to catch him coming in and out of those beds, finding those beds. And, and um, like I said, you go eat what you want. I know where you're coming back to bed and I'm going to get you, you know, that kind of thing
1: yeah yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense um all right so so you kind of hit on hit on acorns just a little bit but let's talk about moving forward throughout the through the season so um let's talk about that kentucky opener so i've hunted the kentucky opener now three years and it's pretty inconsistent um across the state as to whether or not the beans are going to be green or they're already be turning yellow um another thing that's inconsistent is cornfields most a lot of the time for that opener they're not cut yet um they may get cut that week at some point so what's moving moving further into the season let's talk about that first second week of september um just assume that your beans are already starting to turn yellow uh what's the next what's the next option
2: yeah and, and i don't know if you if you were taking you know corn out of the equation standing corn but usually for us around here um, uh, you know that corn is standing like i said this week it's still standing corn. So, when those beans go to brown or yellow, uh, and the green is out of the field, uh, that's when I, I'll start hitting those corn fields. And uh, just like last night, standing corn, uh, there were five bucks in there, and and that's how I saw them. Uh, I saw the corn stubble tops, or the corn tops of the corn stalks, just just shaking. I looked out in the field, never saw the bucks come out. The first buck, anyway, and uh, I just saw the stalks out there shaking. I got my glasses up and started looking and there's a little buck man just a two on one a little fork on one side a spike on the other and i mean he just had a corn cob in his mouth just wearing it out he was just trying to rake it out and just chew down on it and um and he was just wearing it out you know so that standing corn they're out there just murdering that stuff and so i will look like i said you go from greens the greens are drying up and um I, I go to hitting those corn fields and um they just kind of switch over you know and then uh, it's not long i mean like our, our our hunt in kentucky for example that first week of september um you know we had there was oaks dropping and uh those bucks were hitting at it you know it, it's kentucky man they got feeders out up there they got you can put your corn pile and different stuff but man i'm telling you uh, i watch bucks go by you know corn piles and go to you know white oaks it's like what are they doing man they're on those white oaks and uh that evening for mine that was a, it was a white oak ridge in the timber and i think that's why i did well because i know some of the other the other guys in camp they were out hunting on field edges and uh, kind of lingering around bean fields that were still fairly green um but there was a ridge that i was on that had white oaks on it and that's where the deer were and uh, uh first two deer of the evening come off come off cruising down an oak ridge and so um i looked to that corn you know when corn's there but man again if you um uh, as so those oak acorns, are, you know, a lot of times the people are like, man, I'm just not seeing the deer in the field. I'm not seeing them around the corn stubble. I'm not seeing them around the standing corn. And that's why I told my boy tonight, I said, dude, we, we got, we got deer on acorns somewhere right now because they're just, they're not going to be showing up on those fields. And, uh, when they start disappearing like that, you can usually count on them finding some hot oak, you know, white oak acorns somewhere.
1: So that's, that's something, uh, and, uh, Andrew, you look, like you look like you're about to say something, but.
0: Well, I was just, I'm just going to ask because. um, don't hold a lot of fields, just never grown up. grew up doing that. So if a guy wants to come, let's say he wants to come to the Kentucky opener next year, you know, or even come to Tennessee for for the opener, are you finding that, and I think I know the answer to the question, but are you finding that the Bucks come the low spot of the field, the shady spot first? Is there a pattern to them coming to the field rather than just, you know, just, just going?
2: Right. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, especially – you know, like this year for those early hunts. I mean, we we were blessed because it was, I don't know. I think it's like it was mid 80s or whatever. And I know mm-hmm. the guys were like, yeah. man, it's hot. It's mid 80s. I said, dude, I've I've hunted this hunt where it's 95 to 100. You know, a couple of years ago we did a hunt up there in Kentucky. <clears and throat> it was it was 100 degrees. You know, the the whole opening weekend, and, uh, and that was hot. You know, that that was what's hot. So I mean, when it's low 80s or mid 80s, I'm thinking, dude, this is kind of a nice. This ain't bad. You know. But when it is hot like that, I don't care if it's 85 or, or whatever. Um, and, it, you know, honestly, it, it's tougher on us. We, we often think, man, it's it's 90 degrees. The deer are not going to move. Those deer mm-hmm. are doing their thing, man. They're going to do their deal. Yeah. But they are going to take their, just like anything, you know, they're going to take the cozy route. They're going to take the comfortable route, path of least resistance, whatever. I still think they're going to show up in, like you said, the shady part of that field first. And it's a hot afternoon just like you and I, I man, I don't want to sit in the yeah. tree stand in the sun. I want to sit in the tree stand that's over in the shade. I think that deer is the same way. He wants to come out and feed those, you know, and those beans, he wants to be in the shady side of it uh, yeah. and, and get out of that. And I, I look a lot of a lot of spots. My son hunted this evening in a spot. We got to stand and hung out in the edge of a field, and it's a, it's a shallow dip that comes out. It's kind of a low spot mm-hmm. that comes out and swells up into the field, and those deer always come out in that little low spot, that little dip mm-hmm. right there. They always come out on that. Another side of the field they always come out it's a little ridge that leads out into the field it's so subtle you know it's very subtle you don't really notice it. you really wouldn't look across the field and like hey look at that ridge right there it's just a little hump in the field mm-hmm. those deer always come out in that one that little shallow wash that leads out into the field and then they come off that little ridge um, just a little rise and that's how they enter those field you know we know yeah. they're they're edge animals we know they're funnel right. animals um but if you stop and kind of just really pay attention to all those little subtle things, you know, why why do they come into that right there? I don't know, but it just funnels them in, funnels them out, whatever. Um, and so I look for that shady spots, and then just whatever those little terrain features are that are just different from the rest of the field. Um, and a lot of it's just because that's a ridge coming off the out of the timber. It's a ridge, and it's it it rolls right
0: out into the field. Yeah, well, I was it, I was going to ask about that too. with you're talking about acorns, do you do you look for that ridge with that acorn that that comes kind of to the field or is it just you know is it just if, if that's where they're at that's that's where they're
2: at yeah yeah for me it's just that you know where wherever i think naturally you'll have some of those spots when you have a you got an oak ridge like that and it's got a, a ridge it's going to serve a double purpose of of you know funneling those deer out to the field it's just a perfect storm right there yeah you know? yeah um and so yeah that's kind of a you get more uh bang for your buck so to speak <laughs> uh no pun intended but i mean that's just <laughs> um that, that just works good you know from yeah. that standpoint but for me it's really just finding those that are dropping because i mean you know i got i got oak trees behind the house here and it's like oh man they're right there on the on the beautiful little ridge well they're not dropping you know nuts you know some years right. they, some years or not it's so i mean finding you know from year to year what's working um and then you have those years man where it's just a bumper crop and there's white oaks everywhere and so then all of a sudden it's like man i found white oaks all over the place but i don't see any deer well that's because they're everywhere and then you do need to find those hot spots like you're talking drew where yeah. you've got a white oak dropping like crazy but it's also on the perfect ridge that leads to this field or out of this bedding area it, you kind of you got to find that hot tree you know you got to find the tree that makes sense to those deer and it, it works in uh, conjunction with their bedding and um, you know the, yeah. they're gonna be at. good point there yeah
1: that's uh that's you know that's kind of what one of the things that which me and drew where we normally hunt Mm -hmm. is just about all you got you know and so Mm -hmm. everyone if there's a if there's a bumper crop like you're talking about of acorns like it's it can be tough it makes it
0: tough it does
1: you can find is those funneled areas where you may not be able to find the exact tree that they're going to but you can you can guess where they're bedding at and Mm -hmm. uh, use the terrain for to kind of estimate where they're going to be coming from Mm -hmm. going to in the mornings whatever um is there is there a time brody that you've noticed um it, it seems like everything can switch so fast just like one day you're seeing deer on the beans the next day they're not so let's let's just say um the thing that i've noticed at least which you probably have more experience in ag type hunting mm-hmm. scenarios but the thing i've noticed is like when it doesn't matter if the green the beans are still green if the farmer cuts the corn that is the hot spot. It's like the deer just, they know that sound. They know what that means. Boom. They're off the beans. You may find a straggler every once in a while and they may still, that mean they're not hitting beans, but they're just not going to go there first. Um, is, is that accurate? Is that something that you've seen? Um, is like, it can switch in a day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's just it. It's a, it's a dinner bell. I think when they hear that combine rolling through And, and I don't honestly know, like, you know, and like i said i mean you've seen where they're just hammering the beans and all of a sudden that field's cut and you know obviously you got it's visible you know you haven't you haven't been able to see deer in that cornfield standing cornfield so you don't know what's in there what's using it what's living in it um but yeah there's definitely that shift and I, again i don't know if it's uh you know deer just being like us where they've been they've been hammering the um you know the beans that are real palatable for them and then all of a sudden they're just like hey we're you know it's the switch from the greens to the grain or whatever it is but yeah it's like that combine is the dinner bell and when it's cut man that's what we'll see i mean deer are are there again obviously they're more visible now because you can see and the field's just been opened up but uh definitely that switch like you said even when you still have greens uh when the beans are still green we've got one field across there's one side of the road is is you know the beans are turning yellow and mostly mm-hmm. all yellow to brown now but the other side is still green but when this combine comes through this week i promise you we're going to see a switch and they're going to be in that that corn stubble yeah. and um so yeah and again i, I don't know um uh, you know the the all the background on the the biologists can tell us you know what that is it's built into them and why but that's just in my experience when i you know you see that and um uh, while they're hitting it, maybe it's just the fact that, you know, that combines come through and there's a lot of corn busted up on that ground and they know it, you know, it's easy definitely. access. I think that's probably a lot of it. It's just the fact that it's now it's easy access for them. Again, deer can be lazy. They can be lazy. They're going to look for that easy, yeah. see, that easy load. And so, uh, yeah, there's definitely a switch when, when that happens for sure.
1: One of the things uh, I found, um, for me in my limited experience, let's just talk about last weekend, Uh, I went on a bonus buck hunt that was in Tennessee. So it was an early, early opener, uh, WMA that did like this bonus buck thing. And, um, I was hunting, I just got to hunt one morning and one evening and that was it. And I saw 37 deer probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw two deer in the morning on an early drop in white Oak. And I mean, and they were pounding it, man. You could, you could see, I think the reason why I didn't see more deer is because of the amount of people that were um going in and out of that area the whole day the whole weekend before scouting it and stuff mm-hmm. um I got in there it was a funny story I hope the guy that that walked in listened to it because we had a really good conversation <laughs> um but I walked I got in there dude at like 3 30. this place wasn't far off the road i I went in at 3 30. I was like there's a ton of people in these camp in these camps I'm gonna get there early there's one parking spot on this spot like it's enough room for one vehicle to get up in there like, I'm gonna get there early 30 rolls around i'm out of the tree or out of the out of the car in the woods and i'm sitting i've been sitting there for like an hour and all of a sudden I see a headlamp and here comes old boy walking through and uh, I was like that gummit!" and i shine my light he's like he yelled at me he was like i see I see you i'm just gonna get my stand and I'll get out of your way oh no <laughs> all right thanks man uh, he ended up back he ended up coming back to me uh around 10 o'clock or whatever we had a good conversation super nice guy he's like man i'm sorry he's like my stand was in here whatever you know people have different opinions on that whatever he's a nice guy though um but what i'm what i'm saying is there was this they had cut these cornfields they were all cut and um a lot of the deer he saw like eight deer that morning in his secondary spot um coming out of those cornfields and i saw two deer on on that that white oak feeding on those on those acorns and uh that evening i went back kind of closer to where he was at to where i could see the cornfield i saw like 30 deer there was so many deer running all through that cornfield um it was absolutely insane to me how it seemed like i i feel like probably every deer in that you know 500 uh i mean i'm sorry probably 50 50 acre lot was in that cornfield there was more deer than that and that place is overrun with deer there was a ton of deer and i think those fields just had gotten cut pretty recently um within the last couple days and it was like every deer was just it was just like a magnet to it and there was also acorns on the ground um Mm -hmm. and so it kind of changed my mind just a little bit and maybe it's just that specific spot but these deer were bedding in this like privet right next to the Mm cornfield and coming straight out of that corn that doesn't mean they were still pounding the acorns because the sign was all over the place but it really seemed like that evening like it was it was all about the corn and um, nothing to do with acorns so uh, I think you know it's um, we're talking to you and you're talking about what you've seen we'll talk about what we've seen other people are gonna be like well I've seen different I've seen deer eating you know pine cones before they choose corn or or acorns or whatever people seen different things I think the, I think the only concrete thing we can say is that we don't really know, but we can kind of put a lot of these things together. So um, I think it's, I think it's really good to talk to guys like you who are in that, especially in those areas where a guy from Alabama can come Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, take what they've listened to here and, and apply it. So let's move, move a little bit further. And this will be kind of the last, the last portion. And that is, um, all right, so beans are out of the equation now they're dried up i know Hmm. in alabama most of the bean fields that i've seen are dried up brown um corn's been cut deer still going to be on that you know throughout the season um but let's go into early october which is a lot of states start to open up Hmm. right there at the beginning of october and um i want to talk about what you see I'm, i'm sure there's a shift even there leaves are starting to fall off acorns are starting to drop what uh what what's your what's your go-to area that you're looking for
2: yeah absolutely i'm i'm getting in the woods more you know through october and uh, uh some of that's because of the fact that you know getting again uh, that food source is predominantly for me in my area is is you know those oaks uh acorns dropping and so getting in the woods but then it's also the time for that that mythological you know uh october lull you know i mean <clears throat> love it hate it believe in it against it whatever you know there's no doubt that you've got some time and there were you know all of a sudden you were seeing deer like crazy early season first couple weeks whatever and then all of a sudden they disappeared you know people talk about it being a lull i think a lot of it's just the fact that i mean you just pounded the place for the last week or two you know you were in there and you your buddies uh, you know everybody on the lease everybody Mm -hmm. on public hit it for the you know first couple weeks well that's just deer reacting to your presence, man. Human interaction and, and pressure, they're going to get scarce. They're going to get hiding, you know, because that's just what they do. That's their survival mode. So, um, but, you know, it, it definitely you have some of that time where the numbers and sightings seem to kind of taper off uh, for October. So I, I think a lot of that's just the pressure we put on them. But a lot of that, again, is those food sources tightening up, you know, that hot oak, you know, white oak tree on the farm being the place to be, you know, finding those. Uh, the deer there they're feeding they're still doing their thing um, beginning i'll push in closer to those finding those white oak trees that are uh, that are the ticket for me on the particular farm i'm on and and just kind of watching those areas from those feed sources to that bed uh, is what i'm going to be looking for and, and like you said i mean there's still going to be the the corn out there the stubble out there you got bean fields cut and you got uh, the stubble from bean fields i mean i've had some hunts where uh those are pretty strong pretty powerful and those deer will come back to those after they've exhausted the oak acorns and stuff but um you know for october for me i'm gonna start you know particularly as it starts getting later towards uh the end of october gonna start hunting mornings more getting in tighter into the thickets and in the woods and uh really looking for that tree it's a a food source and you can see that uh you know when you find those oak acorns i don't know if it's like that for y'all down there if you got a lot of white oaks or what but um man I, there's nothing better for me to find that ridge it's that hot ridge and there's just deer mess all over it and you know dude they've been hanging out here again that was the deal for me in Kentucky and those oaks are already dropping on the way in man I was seeing you know turds just here, here you know just deer mess everywhere and I thought it came on tonight because the deer are hanging out here and there's um uh, like I said deer crap everywhere uh, you know oak acorns on the ground and that's what i'm looking for in october i'm going to find those spots where uh, the signs there f- fresh acorns there and then you know in conjunction with the bedding there is not not too far off and finding that travel corridor and and uh, getting right in the middle of it
1: so there's comes there comes a time in the season in the month of october when um food sources at least for me and i think a lot of people you kind of move away from hunting food sources right like feed trees and things like that and you start hunting um those travel corridors or getting up closer to bed where you're not really all that concerned about which direction they're going for food what time of october is there like a certain like the leaves start dropping you're like all right i'm moving into these travel corridors or is there just a time that you're looking for when food is not a part of the equation
2: yeah for me it's usually that last week of october you know third going in that fourth week of october um is really when i i start thinking rut when i start thinking man get the rattling horns out and, and you know we'll rattle mid-october too you know as far as that goes i mean i those bucks last night i saw they were out there butting heads in the corn stubble you know open weekend of september you know i mean so you know everybody thinks oh you can only rattle during the rut that's a rut tactic you know and and, and that's when it intensifies and everything but and you can tickle the horns all through october you know the you know, young bucks are doing their thing they're being you know boys and and pushing shoving whatever but when it starts getting that third you know particularly that fourth week of october is when i start keying in thinking that switch is fixing to flip third to fourth week is mm-hmm. when you know for me when the I don't believe in magic, but when they say the magic happens, you know, that's when the yeah. third to fourth week transition, uh, you know, like I said, third week going into fourth week is when to me is when that stuff really starts kicking off, kicking up and uh, those bucks become a different animal. You know, they're not yeah. worried about their gut as much as they are chasing ladies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah Bernie, um, how do you, how do you make the switch to, because, you know, when, whenever you're talking about the feed trees, you see a ton of sign, you know, like you see a lot of sign un- underneath the feed trees, but sometimes whenever you start to transition to the rut and you hunt a travel corridor, that sign might not be as heavy, but you, you you know there's a big boy coming in and out, whether you have a camera up there or you see him go in and out right there. How do you, is, is it just the experience of, you know, doing it for so many years that you don't have to rely on that sign? Because what I'm seeing is, um, and my cameras are starting to prove this, is that there's that faint trail, that the big boys using, but the one that's wore out there at the Creek crossing, there's a lot of those one year olds, two year olds. How do you, how, how, how does a guy transition from, I'm seeing a ton of sign to hunting, no sign, but you know, there's a big boy there. Does that make sense? But let me
1: me ask you this real quick too, Brody, with that question, Um, because I think things can be, I think things can change from region to region. Um, I know, in kentucky a lot of times in the early season up through october big boy might be using that same wore out trail that those are using it doesn't and i feel like maybe ag has something to do with that Mm -hmm. as far as as far as that's concerned whereas where me and drew hunt a lot of it is you know the bucks are going to just be almost a completely different animal um does that make sense kind of what i'm saying like i guess make that more specific to what you see in your region. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: No, I mean, that's what, I, you know, you mentioned that that's, that's good because I, I've seen a, you know, I've seen a lot of that on both sides of it. I, I've seen where guys, um, you know, said that for years, man, you don't look for the, don't look for the hammer down cow trail, you know, it looks like cattle been running it, you know, that's your, your bucks, and your, your younger bucks and your doe trails, you know, and mm-hmm. that soft, you know, that subtle trail that's off parallel and down, you know further down the ridge or up above you know whatever it's that softer you know more subtle ridge um but again i think it all just depends on on the topography because we've got this place we we call it the gauntlet and it's just this one little finger ridge and the deer come down it man and it doesn't matter if it's you know the big bucks use it this you know i've watched i've watched the you know the big bucks come down that trail same doe you know a doe came down earlier and it wasn't during the rut it was his earlier season so it wasn't like he was chasing her i mean it was one trail. They all use the same trail. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of the, kind of the deal. And I think a lot of that was just the topography of it. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a real big steep, you know, ridge. It was just, you know, just one of those terrain features again. Um, and they all use that trail, but then I've also seen like what you guys are talking about where, uh, you've got that, uh, you, you've got that ridge that's the, the doe ridge or you've got the young buck ridge and it's just man look at this ridge we got to get a trail. you know we need to stand on this trail this is mm-hmm. this is hot and then you set up for that trail and then look back here but and, and here come your big buck slipping in the back door he came in you know blindsided you because you didn't even notice that subtle trail over there you know offset trail and so um so it, it you know i've seen it both and um for me it's not been one you know that i can you bank on every time you know because as soon as i say well you know this is the buck trail and he's not going to use that you know my gosh here he is
1: up there right you
2: weren't anticipating or whatever from that standpoint
1: do you feel like Um, the trails get closer uh the the closer you get to the main food sources like the like maybe outside of um those food sources and bedding and things like that they're they're further apart and it's more faint maybe where the buck is at but as they start to come together getting closer to those main feed trees or crop fields or whatever and i feel like maybe maybe in a lot of those areas guys are really keying in more on the food source than they are on the bedding Um, i'll give you an example i just give you a a perfect example that buck that i missed in kentucky he was he was on the faint trail but i was right on top of his bedding I was not close to his food source, really. I mean, we were we were pretty good ways away. And that trail was not beat down. It was a faint trail going straight to his bedding. But as I walked, after I missed him and I tried hunting him for the rest of the week, um, I walked that trail, that faint trail, to where it came together with more trails. And then they eventually came together to a creek crossing that was just beat down um, with all kinds of deer sign. The closer we got to food, it seemed like, it started to funnel closer together, yep. but at the same time if you're that close to food. You may not catch that deer ever in the daylight, you know, especially after once velvet's off and things like that. Yep. Um, I don't know if that's something that you've seen there as well.
2: That's exactly what I was fixing to go with the, the whole idea of this particular spot. I mentioned the gauntlet, the gauntlet, mm-hmm. the gauntlet is in that last 200 yards before you get to the field. And that was my whole point of that was that, that, you know, we do see them come down that same trail, but again, like you just said, it's down at the pinch, you know, it's down at that funnel where they are bottlenecked down and they're on that little piece of ridge. You walk it off 200 yards and yeah, it's gonna drop off into a thicket, one trail this way and one trail is that way, you know? And uh, we've never really put cameras down there to see, but we, you know, sure enough, I mean, you, you've got your different beds in there uh, earlier on and you, you know, and i think everybody's like oh here's buck beds Here's you know we we put so much on that but here's the deal man if you can find that you can find where he knows he's good to go you know and, and back that up you know you can put yourself in a pretty good you know, position to uh, separate again the men from the ladies or whatever you want to call it because like you said man, you've got those trails that are um you know you can sit there and say man look at all the tracks this is great but uh, a lot of that's bambis and mamas you know hanging yeah. out thing Again, finding that subtle trail. So I, I think you're right on. That's again what I'm seeing on this particular spot. Like I said, we call the gauntlet. Those trails break off, and there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, those boys are coming down a different trail than the ladies and those, those scrubs. You know, a lot of times, and and you can see, uh, I think a lot of times we say, "Man, the trail just kind of ran out right here." No, it didn't run out. That's when you're on that other trail, that subtle trail, you know. And you, we keep following the trail. Oh, let's find this. Let's follow this cattle trail and and that's what we like that's what we want to see it beat down that's where all the activity is well that one that looks like it ran out is you know in all honesty it's one you need to be on because that's the one that's getting less travel that's that that buck trail but uh, i think yeah backtracking that i think a lot of guys if we would spend more time doing that backtracking those trails and uh, easing off and finding that finding those beds and and that's going to be the name of the game and, and again if they're going to funnel down to that one spot but uh, like you said a minute ago, man, finding them and getting them ahead of the game. Like tonight, you know, my boy and I were both, again, we we're talking on the way home. We've got to get off in the woods. These deer didn't show up and, and they didn't show up in the fields, but you could hear them, you know, you could hear stuff just like last night, man. You're hearing those deer in the woods and, so you know, we need to be back up that trail further up before they – you know, bottleneck down, transition down to this field, we need to be cutting them off further in the woods. We're missing out, you know, and those deer know the deal. You know, they know the game, and they're going to find that staging area that's, you know, however far back up in the woods they're hanging out at and uh, be hanging out there before the, you know, dark. And uh, a lot of times not come out till after dark. So
1: finding those spots
2: further up the trail, you can make it happen, get those sets hung, and uh, that way you can, you know, punch your ticket before the, you know, showdown, before the darkness comes on.
1: We, one of the things that we've, we've we we talked about a lot at this point after, after the Bobby Worthington episodes that we did, um, a lot of the feedback that I got from those episodes were like, well, I want to hunt outside of the rut. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to just hunt the rut. And, and part of that is what we're just talking about. Those pinches, those funnels, where those trails do come together, the best time to hunt those is going to be in the rut. That's where you're going to get that daytime activity in those pinched off funnels um you may not get those this time of the year i mean honestly if it, you may see the does you may see the young bucks but the, but the big boys are going to be not there yet um the best time to hunt those and so there's a there's a conflict of hunting styles with that with with a lot of people a lot of people are like man i want to hunt i want to kill big deer in october look at the dequistos um where they're at they're, they're killing giant bucks in the month of october um and part of that is the style of hunting that they're doing they're getting up closer on those faint trails and not hitting those funneled areas and likely they're not seeing a whole lot of deer but when they do see deer it's it's the right one and we get so caught up in man this creek crossing looks killer right now you know i want to look at all these tracks it's just tore up with tracks and there's big buck tracks well, yeah, because he's using it at some point. He's just not there yet while you're there. And so I, and, and so, what Bobby talks about is hunting the rut and hunting those funnels, hunting those pinch points where, you know, you're going to get have the greatest opportunity for daylight movement. Um, but when you start talking about like what we've been talking about early season hunting tactics, you really kind of have to move away from concentrated deer sign unless you just want to kill a deer. I can be honest with you tomorrow or Thursday that gum I'm going to be hunting a Creek cross and I'm going to kill the first doe that gives me a shot. Like I'm hunting deer. I'm not hunting big bucks. And if I happen to get lucky, which I won't, you know, I highly doubt that a big buck's going to walk through that day. um, Just because of the spot that I'm hunting. And, um, but, but I'm hunting deer at that point. When I decide that I've had my fun with the does, I'm going to go and I'm going to get up away from, away from the concentrated sign. And I'm going to find those spots where those big bucks are going to be at. So, um man, Brody, we're we're running low on time, but uh thanks so much for coming on, man. No, i man. Hope this episode helps somebody out. Uh I think it will.
2: Absolutely, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Honored to hang out with you guys. I look forward to getting to know you more in the days to come and and uh, connecting getting up this way, and I know you'll be up this way later in the year, so we'll have to catch up and grab lunch or a hunt or two while we're all together and uh, do that yeah. for sure so you guys are always yeah, over this way for sure
1: thank yeah, man well we appreciate it you have a good night
2: same to you guys thank you again sure. yes
0: sir
1: thanks again brody for coming on the show thank you everybody for tuning in to this and i'm excited because this week starts the alabama season for me and i'm jacked out of my mind i cannot wait for uh, like four months of pure deer hunting. So if you guys are in the woods as well, good luck. I wish you guys the best of luck unless you're hunting in my spots, in which case I don't wish you any luck at all. Um, Just kidding, kind of, maybe. Actually, I'm pretty serious on that. Um, Yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week. If you are going to be in the woods this week, again, good luck. And remember this, that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air the fish of the sea and the beast of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.